0: Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please, think twice before listening to our show. There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all the social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators?
1: Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we discuss criminal cases that involve some factor of abuse. Our goal is to spread awareness of abuse that could be taking place around any of us and encourage everyone to take responsibility and report if they see a child or an adult being abused. Amina and Sarah Said were the daughters of Tissi and Yasser Said. Their father Yasser was an Egyptian-American man who wanted his daughters to marry Muslim men. But they had both fallen in love with non-Muslim boys and they didn't tell their father because they feared his reaction. This led to a lot of tension in the Said household. But it didn't just stop there. Yasser would stalk the girls to try to learn their secrets. He would secretly record them with his video camera. This made them very uncomfortable, and for good reason. He had also abused them in the past and threatened them into keeping quiet. They were desperate to start a new life, and their boyfriends had just recently proposed, but Yasser wasn't going to let them go easily.
0: Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Rosie.
1: I'm Ryan. Um I forgot to say and whoops. Anyway, how are you doing tonight, Rosie?
0: I'm doing good. How about you, Ryan?
1: I'm pretty good. I'm excited that it looks like spring is about here. Mm -hmm. The next ten day forecast is in over the thirties, so it's pretty awesome Mm -hmm. for what we've been used to the last few months.
0: The sun is shining, the snow is melting.
1: I thought you were going to start singing Bob Marley.
0: The weather is sweet.
1: Well, before we get started today, we just want to take a second to say thank you to our four newest patrons. um, Kara, or Kara, Michelle, Tyler, and Christina. Yay!
0: Yeah,
1: thank you guys so much.
0: Thank you to our new Fantastic Four.
1: (laughs) All right, this is a part two of the Saeed sisters, so... If you haven't heard part one, be sure you go listen to that first. It's episode 50. But other than that, we're just going to jump right into it.
0: All right. So when we left off, it was the end of 2007. The girls had accepted proposals from their high school sweethearts and finally had some hope of getting out of their oppressive home that their father was providing. In December of 2007... Yassir was getting more and more agitated, knowing that his daughters were seeing non-Muslim boys and trying to hide it from him.
1: Again, I say, of course they're trying to hide it. You're a freaking spaz, dude.
0: And I'm sorry that I mispronounced it. It's Yasser. Yasser. Not Yassir.
1: And if you hear weird sounds, it's because um, it's really windy outside and there's a sign on the front of our house that keeps bouncing and slamming into our sightings. I'll so. take
0: it down if it gets too loud. Yeah. We mentioned before that Yasser had found a note for Amina's boyfriend. Yasser freaked out about this, and within a few days, he moved the family over to Louisville, 60 miles away from where they had been in Dallas. Again, I cannot believe that they did this in a few days. Like, Isn't that hard mm-hmm. to pick up and move like that?
1: Yeah, but it seems like he was trying to separate Amina from whoever she'd would be she been seeing. And as we talked about last week, that was like the focus of this guy's life was mm-hmm. squelching his daughter's desires, apparently.
0: This was awful for the girls' boyfriends. Because the girls just literally disappeared. They didn't hear from the girls for months. Yasser had moved them away and taken their phones. This is when Yasser really started to exercise his domination over all the women in the family.
1: Yeah. Tissy said that he wouldn't even let her go to the store by herself. And of course, the girls couldn't go anywhere alone either. They could only go if Yasser or Islam were with them. So how misogynistic is that? It's just awful. Tissy, who was in her late 30s, maybe 40s even, couldn't go to the grocery store unless her 19-year-old son was with her. What a slap in the face from your mate. Yasser's just a bad dude.
0: And as far as the women knew, Yasser still had no idea about the engagements, or even who the boys were. But he kept trying to dig it out of the girls and Tissy. Tissy would not let herself tell him the details because she was terrified of what he might do to them. The girls and their boyfriends, if he found out.
1: And that's just her motherly instinct, trying to keep them safe.
0: Just before Christmas Day of 2007, something happened that was the final straw for Tissy. Yasser had threatened to kill Amina because she was dating an American boy.
1: Now they're just trying to be normal American girls, and their creepwad of a father threatens to kill them? I don't care if you're serious or not, you should never tell someone, I'm gonna kill you.
0: Yeah, that's like a good tip (laughs) (laughs) for living life. Amina had gotten a burner phone for herself and when she did, her and Joseph had actually started to discuss a plan to get her out of that house. Joseph actually quit school and got his GED so he could start working and saving up. He started to work at a factory fabricating hoses for aerospace companies, making $15 an hour. So I really respect him like sticking around and still trying Yeah. to be there.
1: I mean, that's... The, the thing you gotta do if you're gonna if you want to be in a relationship and get married you gotta have a, a job then that's the first step
0: which yeah. he took so yeah
1: responsible
0: after the death threats tissy couldn't take it anymore she had to take the girls and get the heck out of there she called her sister connie and told her what yasser said and that she planned on leaving on christmas morning she and the girls packed what they could and left the house they picked up sarah's boyfriend eric Then drove to pick up Amina's friend, Eddie.
1: Yeah, I was confused why they didn't pick up Joseph for this trip, Amina's boyfriend, but I'm guessing it's one of two things. Either it was to protect his identity in case Yasser was following them, or because he had that, had a job in, um, he had the job we just talked about and they didn't want to take him away from it. Yeah,
0: those, the hoses.
1: Yeah, so, um, Also, they were coming from Louisville, which was 60 miles from where Joseph lived, so maybe it was too out of the way. They were definitely in a hurry to get out of there.
0: They drove up to Wichita, Kansas, to Tissy's aunt, Jill's house. Yeah,
1: Tissy was just desperate to get out of the area.
0: When Jill opened the door to let them in, the first thing Tissy said was, The girls want to run away with their boyfriends, but I can't let that happen. But then Amina spoke up and said, my mom has always wanted to leave my dad, and we told her we could take her with us.
1: So the girls didn't just want to run away so they could be with their boyfriends. They were willing to take Tissy along as well and help her escape her own abusive relationship because that was really the big issue here was the abusive father and husband. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they would have just stayed around and gotten with their boyfriends in due time. But yeah. They were really trying to escape something here.
0: This is when Jill found out that Yasser had been beating Tissy for nearly nearly two decades, and he would regularly beat Amina and Sarah as well. Tissy told her aunt that she couldn't go back to Yasser. At that time, she really believed that if she brought the girls back to Yasser, he would definitely kill them.
1: Yeah, and according to Jill, those were Tissy's own words.
0: At this point, Yasser had reported his family missing, and he had Islam file a report as well. He told the police that he had been angry with his daughter, Amina, for having a possible boyfriend, but he didn't know who. The Louisville police actually called to talk to Tissy and make sure everything was okay, but she ignored their call, telling Jill that she'd get back to them in the next couple days. Jill tried to convince her to call right away, but she didn't want to at the time.
1: It's interesting that um, Yasser had Islam calling the police too and filing reports. Yeah. Like I said before, like Islam was really brainwashed by Yasser.
0: Mm-hmm. Jill made a Mexican dinner for them while they were there, but they needed some tortilla chips. Tissy offered to get the chips, but she wouldn't leave the kids alone at Jill's house.
1: Yeah, she had all four kids get in the car and come with her to get a bag of chips. And I guess on this trip to the store, they discussed their plans. And one of the boys actually had relatives in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which was even farther away.
0: Hmm. When they returned from the store, Tissy told Jill that they would be leaving after dinner for Tulsa. They were only there for three hours, but they weren't comfortable being there.
1: Yeah, I'm guessing they wanted to get as far away from Yasser as possible and be somewhere where he couldn't track them Mm because he probably knew where Tizzy's aunt lived.
0: Yeah, Yeah, probably. On December 28th, they signed a lease on an apartment in Tulsa under a fake name. The five of them moved in and planned on hiding there. They would even buy untraceable burner phones to communicate with other people and threw away their old phones so there was no way Yasser could track them. This is how Am- Amina kept in contact with her fiancé, Joseph. Tissy got a job quickly in the area and planned on starting that Monday. Wow, so they're, like, really going hardcore
1: Yeah. for hiding. Everything seemed to be falling into place, and, I mean, it couldn't have worked out better for just randomly running out of the state and trying to start a new life, start fresh, but... um. Yeah, they still hadn't talked to the police and let them know they were okay. So even though they were away from the abuse and able to start healing, Yasser was still pretty um, was still after them.
0: Yeah, I wonder why they didn't go to the police.
1: Yeah, that is the strange.
0: And what held them back?
1: Detail here, because yeah, you're right. If she would have talked to the police and told them exactly what was going on. Might have helped, but...
0: Maybe she just was just so scared of the whole situation.
1: Yeah, remember, he has three brothers that are like a wolf pack that have his back. Mm-hmm. So if she does something to get him arrested, there's still three brothers to come after her.
0: Yes, sir and Islam were both really upset. Islam missed his mom and sisters.
1: And I do feel bad for Islam. This poor kid has been so brainwashed by his father. He can't even see the problem with the way his father has been treating the girls. Because this is what he was raised with, and to him it was normal. Easy for him, because he was a boy, and apparently the second-in-command in in the house, even over his mother.
0: (laughs) Oh, that makes me upset.
1: (laughs) I know, it's... Not good. Very much um, an old-fashioned idea. You know, that should have never existed.
0: (laughs) Tissy was trying to keep communication cut off between herself and Yasser. On December 29th, Amina's friend Eddie had to return to Texas because he had a job as a DJ and had a commitment to work for two more days back in Louisville. He planned to return briefly, just for the last two days, then return to Oklahoma.
1: And that's when we get the wolf pack of brothers involved again. Yasser's brother Yassin started making calls to Tissy.
0: Yassin was pleading with Tissy to call Yasser and talk to him. He made Yasser sound sympathetic, saying that he didn't understand why his, li- why his wife left and took the kids.
1: Is he really that clueless?
0: Doubt it. Yassin promised Tissy that if Yasser wasn't being nice to the girls after they returned home, Yassin would make him move out
1: shockingly to me at least tissy did call yasser and
0: that's a huge shock
1: i i can't say that i think she believed yassin here yeah because yassin told her that he would make yasser leave if he was being mean to them again Mm -hmm. but i really don't believe that because i think yasser's ideals kind of come from the family but i guess that's just my own thought
0: she was a victim of physical and mental abuse for so long maybe she just had a clouded look on things
1: yeah that's exactly it man
0: yasser apologized on the phone and told them that the house was theirs and if they didn't want him there he would leave he told her that amina and sarah's school is very important and that she couldn't just uproot them from their house and friends and disappear.
1: So what are the odds that he's just being manipulative here?
0: (laughs) He also talked to Sarah and Amina. He made the girls believe that everything was okay. It almost felt like he'd dropped the whole boyfriend thing and moved on. Amina had been keeping contact with her boyfriend Joseph regularly, and she was starting to text him about being scared that her mom was going to take them back to Texas and return to their father. After this call with Yasser, Tissy decided that they would go back. Yeah. I can't believe you're going back.
1: This is the decision that pretty much made this whole story pan out to what it became. She figured everything would work itself out. The girls would be able to move out soon, and she'd lived with Yasser for 20 years, and she'd made it this far, so maybe she just really believed everything would be okay, but... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it was not the best decision
0: yes this really hit amina hard she began questioning whether her mother even loved her anymore she couldn't understand how her mother could care more about what her abusive husband wanted than the safety of her own daughters both girls had been adamant that they hated their father and they would never return to texas But Tissy told the girls that they were just returning to Texas and staying at their aunt Connie's house so they could put flowers on their grandma's grave for her birthday. Tissy didn't tell the girls that she planned on going back to Yasser.
1: Even more interesting, Connie had no idea they were coming back to Texas until Amina told her later, which we'll get into. But Tissy manipulated them into going back. But... I mean, it seems so cold-hearted, and, like, how could a mother do this? But, again, we need to remember, Tissy's also a victim of abuse in this situation, Mm -hmm. and she probably had so much on her mind at the time. It doesn't excuse excuse her actions at all, but it could have affected them.
0: Oh, totally. When they arrived back in Louisville, she finally told the girls that they were returning to their father. Amina lost it.
1: Yeah, again, Amina is so frustrated that her mother is returning to her abuser and putting her own children in danger. If there weren't kids involved, I guess I wouldn't be as mad at Tissy for this, but you gotta protect your kids. This is so stupid.
0: Amina told her mom that there was no way she was going back to her father. As soon as they got back home where Yasser was, Amina took the car and left she went back to Eddie's house. On December 31st, Amina called her Aunt Connie. She said, Did you know my mom went back to my dad?
1: And Amina was pretty angry on the phone. Connie said she was pretty much yelling at her.
0: Connie was confused, having no idea they were back in Texas. Then Amina repeated it again, asking her if she knew, but Connie had no idea. She'd lost contact with them because the last number they'd given her was an old burner phone that they'd thrown away, and they never gave her a new one. Amina was terrified, knowing that as soon as Tissy got back to Yasser, she would tell him everything about the girl's relationship. She told her aunt she would rather die than go back to their father.
1: (sighs) I can't imagine being in Amina's shoes here and knowing how her father's going to react to this news. Mm-hmm. Of her just being a normal teenager. She's 18 years old. She has every right to have a boyfriend. Right. But her father was completely unreasonable and uh, I can't imagine being her in this situation. Mm-hmm. And she was texting her boyfriend Joseph, talking about running away with him at this point because what else could they do?
0: Right. Around 8 a.m., New Year's morning, Amina received a text from her sister Sarah's phone, begging her to come home. Amina said it wasn't going to happen. At this point, Tissy says that Amina eventually called her and asked her mom to come pick her up. But in reality, Tissy had been calling Amina every couple of minutes all morning and into the early afternoon.
1: Yeah, Amina kept saying no, and Joseph kept reassuring her not to trust her mom and dad. Like, trust your gut, don't don't go back. But eventually, Tissy drove over to Eddie's house where Amina had been staying and told Amina that she had to come home. And this led to Amina texting her boyfriend, telling him she loved him and I got to do what I got to do. And she finally returned home with her mother.
0: (sighs) When Amina got home, her father seemed happy to see her. He kissed both Sarah and Amina and told them that he wanted to take them out to dinner and have a heart-to-heart talk with them both.
1: Hmm. Hmm. It's impossible to know what they talked about on the car ride to dinner, but I'm guessing the girls finally told their father about their boyfriends and their plans to get married. Seeing how manipulative Yasser had been, it's easy to believe that he could have convinced the girls that he was okay with whatever they wanted to do now. Like, he could have told them he just wanted to know what was going on in their lives. This is all my own speculation, but given what happened next, it is what makes the most sense to me.
0: Not long after they left the house to go to dinner, the following 911 call was placed.
1: And we want to warn you before we play this, it's very disturbing. Mm -hmm. And if you might be triggered by a 911 call and hearing someone in trauma, then um, you should probably turn it off now. Uh, So know that we warned you, but we want to play it because it really helps you feel the impact and the gravity of the situation. After knowing everything these girls went through to try to get away from their abusive father and all of the the outs they could have had if their mother would have been had their back, basically. So um, keep that in mind as you listen to this.
0: Irving nine one, what is your emergency? Oh my
1: god, Tommy,
0: this is awesome. I'm What's going on,
1: madam I'm dying, not
0: Okay, let me transfer you. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get uh, fire department online, okay? Hold on one sec, okay? Oh
1: my god, stop <laughs> <laughs> it, fire department. Irving Fire Department. Ma'am, are you still there? Ma'am, are you still there? All I've got is she's telling me she's dying. I'm
0: getting... I've got a Why Are you still there, ma'am? Ma'am, what is your address? (sighs) Ma'am. Okay. It's a really hard clip to listen to.
1: I know. It's just... Picturing what was happening while this call was being recorded is just its terrifying, and we don't want to dwell too much on that, but just knowing how much these girls had already been through, and this was the terrible end to their story.
0: The police traced the call back to a taxi cab near Dallas, Texas. Inside, Amina and Sarah Saeed sat slumped over, shot to death by their own father.
1: So, let that sink in. It's such an unbelievable act of hatred, and especially considering how hard they tried to stay away from Yasser. The irresponsible parenting in the days leading up to this by Tissy put her daughter's back into the danger they tried so hard to escape. And now... They had paid the ultimate price for their father's ridiculous ideals and their mother's lack of willpower. These g- poor girls lost their lives and... The worst part to me is that Amina knew she was dying. She was sitting there suffering. And that's what's so devastating. She was fighting to the last second, trying to survive, but she knew she wasn't going to make it. She basically had to watch herself die. What kind of father would do that to his daughters? What a freaking monster. It's,
0: that 911 call really makes it real when you can listen to her.
1: I know. I I'd, I'd debated with myself whether we were going to play that, but I think it's such a powerful, I mean, just being able to hear what she was going through and mm-hmm. how you can hear the frustration in her voice because it's almost like she saw this coming and she tried everything she could to avoid it. And she was betrayed by both of her parents, Mm -hmm. you know, and she knew that. And you can just hear the disappointment and frustration in her voice. And just, she was pissed off because this could have been avoided.
0: Right. Yasser fled from his work taxi that day and has never been seen again. Many people suspect that Tissy knows where he is, but she isn't talking. There is no record of him taking a flight to Egypt unless he was able to get fake documents, or was smuggled out of the U.S. in some other way.
1: Yeah. So, there was actually an incident in New York City where a cab driver reported that he thought he saw Yasser driving a cab near the Newark airport. And... The FBI actually believes he might be driving a cab to this day in New York City. What? And has somehow remained undetected. I suppose if he was able to get a fake identity and change his appearance, this is possible. After seeing Breaking Bad, it definitely seems possible to me.
0: That's crazy to me. I I mean, it seems pretty hard. Yeah. Especially if he's still a taxi driver. I mean, come on.
1: And he's one of the top ten most wanted... FBI criminals, fugitives.
0: <laughs> Other people have alleged, allegedly seen Yasser in New York City driving a light champagne-colored Mercedes, an older model, as a cab driver. This was in 2014, and that year he was added to the FBI's Top 10 Most Wanted Fugitives list, along with $100,000 reward for information leading to his arrest. <laughs>
1: It's so sad because he's clearly one of the worst fathers we've ever talked about. I mean, they're all the worst. But this guy abused his wife and children for decades and then murdered his daughters? And he hasn't gotten one minute of punishment for it. It's sickening.
0: I can't believe he wasn't caught.
1: I know. That's. I mean, I. I would assume that he probably got help from his brothers yeah to escape right you know like follow my taxi and as soon as i get out pick me up and we'll get away because i guess this was in an area where there were no cameras or uh, i don't know
0: wow it just doesn't even make sense to me but i guess if it it happened (sighs) we're going to be posting this monstrous picture on our instagram accompanying this episode but keep your eyes open. All we can do is spread awareness of this and be aware of what he looks like. If you see anything, call 1-800-CALL-FBI. That's 225-5324 for the major case contact center.
1: Yeah, again, that's 1-800-225-5324. These girls deserve justice after having their lives taken from them in such a cold and calloused way. And just thinking about this guy makes me so angry. I guess we can get familiar with the case, watch the documentary, The Price of Honor. Mm -hmm.
0: We should mention that this was labeled as an honor killing because Yasser allegedly committed this crime because of his strong Muslim faith. And he felt the girls were bringing dishonor to the family by the way they were choosing to live.
1: Yeah, one of these older Fox documentaries framed this whole thing as an honor killing because because they weren't bringing honor to them as a Muslim family. But this is not a true Muslim thing. In The Price of Honor, some other people address this that are more qualified than us, but the Muslim religion does not advocate honor killings. It's very much an extreme extremist, radical idea that only some people have claiming it's a Muslim tradition, but it's really just a terrible idea that spread throughout some of Mo- some Muslim people. It's so sad. But I think that's where we can wrap up the story and finally be done with the scumbag. I just can't stress enough that you should definitely watch The Price of Honor, because it really shows the different perspectives of the case. Um, you hear from Patricia Tissy Owens. Um, she's the mother where you can kind of understand her actions, but at the same time, they are what led to her daughter's death. So that's got to be really difficult for her to live with. But, mm-hmm. I mean, she was a victim of abuse. But a lot of the things she says about the day the girls were murdered contradict what the girls had been telling other people on the phone. So there's definitely some doubt about Tissy's innocence in this whole scenario.
0: On that same note, there's not much known about Yasser's childhood. But looking at what he did, you'd have to assume that it was kind of messed up.
1: Yeah, I don't... I don't know if he was abused at all, I doubt it, but he had to have some kind of strange things happen to him to do this to his daughters, right? I mean, We don't want to speculate too much, but it seems like he was heavily influenced by his family, who seemed very extreme in their ideals. It's possible that within his family, honor killings were an actual option, and I almost wonder if his brothers were behind him telling him that his daughters were a disgrace to their family. There could have been some kind of groupthink within the family that affected their quote-unquote Muslim beliefs that they viewed as doctrine, but it was really just influenced by their family gossip. I mean, we've all seen families that are super tight-knit, but they love to gossip about other people. But when that gossip has a lot of prejudice and misogyny, along with a false sense of godly devotion and honor, it can be really dangerous.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of scary. But again, we want to clarify that it's not because they were Muslim. They were just really misguided and terribly deluded people that were somehow capable of justifying this horrific act in their minds. And they don't seem to have any shame. They planned it out to a T, so he wouldn't have to pay for what he did to his daughters. And he may never even be held accountable. Yeah. We also want to talk about Amina's boyfriend, Joseph. He took this whole thing really hard. Because of the whole honor-killing aspect, the love he and Amina shared is what allegedly caused this terrible crime. The morning of January second, two 2008, Joseph's mother woke him up. Her eyes were streaming with tears as she told him what had happened.
1: And when he heard it, all he could do was punch the headboard. It was so maddening because he'd been trying to help Amina get away from the monster that took her life, and Amina was trying so hard to get away from him too. But after all that, her mother had gone way out of her way to bring her daughters back to their abuser.
0: He wrote about this time, saying, I lost it. I'd planned to spend the rest of my life with Amina, and everything I'd hoped for had suddenly come to an end. I was completely numb oh it makes me so sad
1: i know i can't imagine the rage that would pulse through me if i were in his situation knowing that he he tried to stop this and knowing that the man who ruined your plans for life got away unscathed and we also i mean we said that allegedly their relationship was responsible for what happened but obviously we're not saying that As in, we believe it. That's just how he sometimes feels because, you know, this terrible thing happened. Mm -hmm. But uh, what a doozy.
0: Yeah, this one is a doozy. Yeah. I wonder how Islam turned out.
1: Yeah, it was kind of up in the air because at first he seemed to be supporting his sisters and his mother. Mm -hmm. But then he kind of seemed to flip and go more towards his father's side and he was like they had it coming and they deserved what they got and really and was he
0: on the documentary much
1: yeah um a little bit i'm i think i didn't focus on his aspect of it very much because Mm -hmm. i was more focused on the girls but i think he has gone to egypt and he's living there now so Mm. yeah i don't know but
0: the story does not have a happy ending at all no (laughs) no happy ending and no justice
1: yeah but we do want to spread the message about it because he's still out there somewhere Mm -hmm. unless he died somehow but i mean the more eyes we have looking for him the better chance there is that we can actually help these girls get justice so Definitely be sure to look up his picture, Yasser um Saeed, or else go to our Instagram and you can see it there. But oh man. <laughs> sorry for such a downer, you guys, but sometimes we gotta talk about stuff like that.
0: <laughs> You're sorry about it?
1: Well yeah, it's it's like the Davidito. Uh, ricky rodriguez story there was just no happy ending and but at the end of it we were just like oh you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um the best thing we can do is move on and Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) well yeah we'll pep it up a bit and say if you appreciate and enjoy our show you can help us out by supporting us over on patreon it will also give you instant access to three more episodes at the $2 a month level. And there should be a new premium episode out every month.
1: <laughs> yeah, we actually started working on our upcoming premium episode uh, today. And actually, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be up. Oh, it so. should
0: be. Oh, well, I hope it is.
1: So you want to talk about what it'll be?
0: Um, it's going to be talking about um, Chris Hansen and How to Catch a Predator show
1: to catch a predator. Yeah, yeah, I always mess it up. <laughs> um yeah, yes. we're we're going through a lot of to catch a predator. Um what are they called, sequences or
0: I don't know. I just love incidents. I love watching those.
1: Yeah, but we're going to be listing we haven't decided on a number yet. Depends on time, but probably around between 5 and 10 of our favorite Incidents, Uh, because the great part about that is no actual child is being targeted, Mm -hmm. but you're seeing these scumbags and what their practices are. And
0: And their stories that they come up with on the spot.
1: Yeah, one of the ones that we're going to share is it's so hilariously stupid, the story this guy keeps spinning. like You can tell he's just pulling it out of his butt, but he keeps doubling down and refuses to admit what chris hansen already knows because he has the transcripts and (laughs) anyway it should be a fun episode so definitely it'll be our fourth premium episode over on patreon so go subscribe so you know when it comes out and it should probably be out by now anyway so
0: (laughs) You can also get some cool stuff by signing up for our Patreon, like mugs, stickers, postcards with personal messages from us, and some other fun stuff. If you have signed up recently and want a shout-out, be sure to check uh, your Patreon messages.
1: Yeah, we always we don't just automatically give shout-outs. Um, when people sign up, we make sure it's okay with them, with them for us to say their name on the show first for their privacy, so... If you have signed up and you want a shout-out, be sure to check your Patreon messages.
0: Mm -hmm. Now it is time for the reviews part of the show.
1: So, um, the review that we're going to share this week is actually a pretty old review. It's from July of 2018. So, it was one of our first reviews, Mm -hmm. and we don't want to forget about our older reviews. And definitely keep submitting reviews for us, because... We'll eventually read them on the show, because we always appreciate uh, kind reviews like this. But it's entitled, So Important. It says, It's super easy to just be a true crime rubbernecker and lose sight of the fact that something terrible has happened to actual people. This podcast does such a fantastic, do- fantastic job of delivering extremely heavy subject matter in a palatable and caring manner. Thanks for giving a voice to the people who really matter in these stories. Keep up the great work. Uh, Five stars from Peregrine Falk. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for this review because I got to be honest, this review, it was one of our first really nice reviews and it, honestly helped shape the direction of the show Mm -hmm. you know it helped us see what our strengths were as podcasters and try to lean into those and keep trying to make the show as good as we possibly could so um whoever left this review we appreciate it a lot because it definitely played a role in making our show better and we appreciate that Mm -hmm.
0: and a bonus one that we got this morning that Ryan is so happy about.
1: Oh, are you going to read that one?
0: Yeah, it was cute. It says, better and better. I love this podcast, and Ryan has the voice of a sweet, lovable teddy bear.
1: <laughs> How many stars?
0: Five. Yay. From E.P. Fraz.
1: Thank you. Oh, man. I really appreciate that.
0: He he is like a lovable teddy bear.
1: Uh uh-huh.
0: It's your spirit animal.
1: I'll pay you later. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of paying, we finally sold our stove like we were talking about last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, someone came and picked it up. The old one.
0: Now we just have one stove.
1: Yeah. I explained last week why we needed a new stove. And we've been cooking a lot more at home now. We went through a bit of a phase where we were pretty bad at cooking at home. And we're really working on it because as we're going to talk about next week um i've had to make some dietary changes and cooking at home is very important to the changes i've been making so
0: and it saves money for going on trips
1: yeah so now uh i want to announce that next week's episode is our 52nd episode which means we've been doing this for an entire year (laughs) yeah can you believe that? It's been a year since we randomly decided to start podcasting 12 hours before we released our first episode.
0: I know. That's pretty crazy.
1: Obviously, we're pretty impulsive people, but we like to stick to uh stick to the things we start and this podcast really surprised us on how it's taken off and Yeah. So thank you all who are listening so much for being the people that helped this podcast take off because hearing um, all your supportive words and seeing the numbers of people just keep growing every week that listen, it's, we did not expect that to happen. So thank you guys so much. And thank you to the other people in the podcasting community, like Kate from ignorance was bliss and Justin from the peripheral and generation Y and all the other podcasters, minds of madness, uh, kate morris from over there we just appreciate all of you guys so much um you've all helped us keep going and keep growing so
0: Mm -hmm. and definitely thank you to our patrons
1: yeah oh man yeah our patrons you guys are the most important to us because you actually are helping us keep (laughs) doing this and pay the bills
0: you're financially supporting us and we appreciate it
1: yeah we're able to pay a few bills a month now with your guys' help and and pay we this really appreciate
0: more that. The stuff.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah. What else were we gonna talk about? Any cat news?
0: Not not a lick.
1: We never talk about queso. Have we ever told the people here about queso's emotional issues?
0: Um queso dia also I call him Quasiodia. But I thought his
1: name was just Queso.
0: No, I changed it. Oh yeah. (laughs) He is my little buddy and he doesn't like Ryan so very much.
1: Yeah, he's very much not a fan of me ever since (laughs) the day that I took him to the vet, like pretty soon after we got him. And there's um,
0: the free vet check?
1: Yeah, he didn't like that too much. And then There's a whole big fiasco story that we'll share someday. Not right now. What? Oh, the, the whole running around the house thing, destroying.
0: He ripped out his claw, and it was Ryan's fault.
1: Now I got to tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when I brought him home from the vet, they were like, keep him in the bathroom, especially because he's having a rough time adjusting. And so I walk in the door, set him down. I'm taking off my shoes. Then Rosie lets him out of the cat carrier while I'm taking my shoes off and just lets him run free in the house for the first time. And he immediately runs underneath our black chair. It's just like a, it's not a recliner chair, but it's kind of like a recliner chair. easy chair. Yeah, an easy chair. He immediately runs under there and we're like, okay, we'll leave him alone. He was under there from the afternoon that I brought him home until the next morning. And so finally, that morning, I think Rosie had to go to work. And I I think it was my day off. But I tried to get him out from under the chair for a long time. Because at that point, I had to literally force feed him tuna water. Because <laughs> oh he would not eat or drink. Because he was such a scaredy oh cat. Poor
0: little baby.
1: I had to—he was laying in his little um, soft, plush, little cat house thing, and I would have to put a can of tuna, like, right under his nose to get him to eat.
0: Yeah, he had some issues, but he's good now.
1: Yeah. He was so tiny, and now he's super fat.
0: Oh, he's a fat mama.
1: (laughs) So he has come a long way. But anyway, I had to grab him by his tail to pull him out from under the chair, because— I, he wasn't eating or drinking anything. I didn't want him to die. Anyways, he hated that. And he. I tried to pick him up, and then he just started flailing and clawing and everything. Fell out of my hands, ran into room after room, just like knocking stuff off the walls. All and four of them. Freaking out.
0: <laughs> All four rooms that we own.
1: Yeah. Then he finally went in the bathroom, where, is where we were keeping him and i shut the door and he ran up behind the toilet jumped on the sink and he was like trying to claw up to the ceiling in the corner of the sink and this whole time he was leaving blood trails and then he there's this little gap in the wall between our hamper and our